advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Melissa Bolan, founder and co-owner of Four Legger. It was a real pleasure and honour to speak to Melissa, whose journey of personal loss and overcoming challenges led to the creation of a company that embodies her ideals that has set the bar high for the pet grooming industry. She's such an amazing lady who truly moved me with her story, and I am humbled that she was willing to share it with you today. This is her story. Who is Melissa Boland? Yes, that question kind of tickled me. It's like, well, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> as far as you want. As uh, far as you want. That's that's a, an interesting question because you know I'm I wasn't born yesterday. So, <laughs> you know what? I love you for that. <laughs> this is actually my third career. Four legger is my third career. So, um. You know, and I, I'm one of these that thinks that everything that happens leads to the next thing and, and kind of goes to the next thing. I don't I don't really believe anything just happens in isolation without there being some greater purpose to it or, or greater intent. And so, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you can always go back and look and see where where those milestones were. And, um, you know, I get I guess it's I, my first career. I've been very blessed. Um, I've gotten to do both things that I ever wanted to do professionally. And, you know, not many people can say that I worked for 10 years in the airline industry, um, was my first, first career and absolutely loved every single minute of it. It was, it was during a time when it was fun to work for an airline and, you know, you could travel places and, and just the benefits and the friends and all were, were, it was just amazing. And, you know, that changed as everything seems to. Um, and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was in corporate management at the time and I thought, uh, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And, um, you know, fortunately had the choice. So I, I, I left, you know, of, of my own choosing. Our, our company went through a merger and it just became a company that I didn't really feel aligned with anymore. So 
um, one of my friends asked, well, if you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? And I said, well, I would go back to school and I would become an occupational therapist. And so that's what I did. I went back to college when I was 31 <laughs> years old and, uh, you know, did practiced OT for many years, about, let's see, 17, 18 years as a, a practicing occupational therapy or occupational therapist before um, four-legger came, came into being. So, um, wow. Yeah, it was, it's been kind of a, a windy path, but you know, the Lord's been in control the whole time and I can always look back and see where things that didn't make sense at the time, you know, I can see, okay, well, that was, that was, you know, God leading and I'm glad I took that step. So, <laughs> so what made you decide to start for Lego? Well, uh, Henry Clay, you know, I guess the story of four-legger really begins with the first dog I ever had. And we didn't have dogs growing up as, as a child. We just, we didn't, my parents didn't want them in the house. And it was really, you know, before the time where it got popular to have dogs in the house. Um, so we just, we didn't have one. So I got my first, first dog when I was in my early twenties and um, she was a, great little dog, cute little dog, and unfortunately was hit by a car when she was, you know, just around three years old. And so that was, that was a pretty traumatic ending to, you know, my first, first experience at being a pet parent. And it was a few years later before I got another dog. And she was um, a, a puppy and uh, a Lhasa Opso and was diagnosed with stomach cancer and died before she was nine months old. Yeah, and I mean, I just, my heart was just shattered. I thought, you know, this is too hard to have a dog if this is going to always be the end. <laughs> and so it took about 10 years before I got brave enough and, and wanted to, to get another dog. And that's when I got Henry Clay. And I mean, he just, he was the most remarkable dog. He was, you know, one of those that is very intuitive and very, um, he was like a little person, you know, he just, he, he had an old soul for sure. And when I got him, um, I had just moved to, to Virginia, Richmond, Virginia for an occupational therapist position there that I had accepted at, at one of the neurological hospitals. And um, I've always had really, really poor eyes. My whole family has always had really poor eyes. And had I known that the week after I got him, I was going to wind up in emergency surgery for, for bilateral retinal detachments. <laughs> I probably would not have chosen that time <laughs> to take on a little eight week old puppy, but you know, he, he was remarkable. He was, it, it was as though he knew I couldn't play with him. I couldn't get on the floor and rough and tumble with him with, with the precautions and everything that I had. And he just was content to lay, lay with me and be, you know, be a companion. 
and that was just it was such a a strange experience you know coming off of of the other dogs that I had had and it that, that was just the beginning I mean his entire life was like that and uh you know there was so many so many different things during my life that he he was there for and you know losing him was was really hard because it was like okay well that that chapter really is closed now and um it's it's just memories now so um but you know he was he was a a fantastic little dog he was happy all the time he never thought anybody didn't want to be anything other than just his very best little friend <laughs> and uh you know really sweet and and cuddly and all the things that you want i guess in a small dog what i want in a small dog and so he was he was a he was a remarkable little boy. How long, how long did you have him for? Um, I got him uh, at Christmas time in 2001. <laughs> so just a, a couple of months after 9-11 and, you know, all of, all of the, the chaos and everything that was, that was going on in the United States then. Um, he, he um he well he actually was born at christmas time and i got him in february of of 2002 <clears throat> see my memory's already gone i'm that old my memory's gone <laughs> nah. but um he yeah he he was uh uh really healthy really happy up until the time he was eight years old and that was the first time he was diagnosed with cancer first of three times that he was diagnosed with cancer and it was found in his urinary tract. Um, and the doctor, you know, at the time, the, his vet was a traditionally trained vet and the words actually came out of his mouth. I think this is exposure to environmental toxins. And I thought, wow. I mean, I didn't know then the impact of that that I do now. I didn't understand it then. Um, but he had surgery and he was, he was fine for about 16 or 17 months and he had a recurrence. It came back. It was still in his urinary tract. It hadn't spread anywhere else, which was good. And so he had another surgery um, and did did great um he came out of that one and just kind of resumed being his little sweet self um and about nine months after that it uh, the tumors metastasized and went to his brain stem and that was really truly you know kind of the beginning of of the end of of his story he was uh he was 11 at, at that time and he, um, I saw it because, you know, I, I, I can see the benefit of my years in, in occupational therapy with that because I worked primarily with neurologically impaired adults. And so people with strokes, people with brain injury, people with, with spinal cord injuries, those, those were my patients. 
And so when he started losing his balance and stumbling around and it looked like his vision was impaired and just things that maybe not everybody would have picked up on, but because they were very familiar to me in seeing them in humans, I saw that. And so got him to the vet pretty quick. And, you know, at that point it was already there. It was already in his brain stem and, um, he was given about a four to six week prognosis at that time. And that dog lived for 13 months with that dire of a prognosis. And I believe it's because he knew before I did that I had cancer. He actually died on the same day that I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. And it was, you know, I didn't have any symptoms leading up to it. I found the lump myself. I mean, there, there was nothing that, that made me think, oh, this is not good. And, um, you know, I got myself to the doctor and, and had the, the diagnostic tests and all that. And it, it came back. Uh, you know, metastatic stage two breast cancer. And he, I got that phone call in the afternoon on November 22nd, 2013. And uh, earlier in the morning, I had gotten, or, uh, or earlier in the morning, Henry Clay breathed his last breath. And, you know, to me, it was as though he was letting me know, I've, I've stuck it out until you know now and you need to get help and you need to to take care of this because you've got other things to do and so it was that was the worst day ever one of the worst days ever um obviously but you know it was the beginning i mean obviously at that point i didn't have any idea of four-legger that still hadn't entered my mind um that came you know much later so after I started my own treatment with cancer. And how long, you know, that was in 2013 uh, in November. Um, and how, how is your, your, your situation now? I mean, obviously you, you look good, <laughs> you know, always, but what was, you know, what was that like, you know, um, you know, have, having Henry Clay gone and everything, you know, um, that must have been horrible. I think for me, you know, losing losing your beloved Pat is one thing, but, uh, you know, to to get that, that phone call from your doctor on the same day, you know, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a double whammy. Um, yeah, that's not, November 22nd is not my favorite day of the year <laughs> for some reasons, whenever it rolls around, but... Um, it was, you know, my, my own treatment was really difficult. I had a very, very aggressive form of cancer and I wanted to wait, you know, until after Christmas to start treatment. And my oncologist was like, absolutely not. And so, I mean, I was, I was in the loop from the first week of December on and my my first chemo treatment was actually two days before christmas and on christmas day i was back in the chemo uh, suite 
getting getting an injection to to boost my uh, marrow, my white white cells, my white blood count, and um, you know, so it, it it was it was difficult. My own cancer journey lasted 22 months, and it was weekly you know, infusions, and I still take medicine. I have an oral chemo drug that I'm on now for another uh, four years, I think. And so, you know, it, it wasn't, um, that, that wasn't a very fun thing, but what happened to kind of lead into four-legger, that, that certainly didn't just, you know, I didn't wake up one morning and think, oh, well, uh, this is, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Um, but my oncologist said, but after my first round of chemo, my cell counts went to the basement and I became what is called infection fatal, which means if I'd have picked up anything, flu, pneumonia, anything, I probably wouldn't have, have survived that. And so he knew that there were dogs at home and he knew they went out walking and got pet petted and, and all of that. And he said, you've got to start eliminating germs in your own environment so that you can stay safe through this. And part of that needs to be that your dogs start getting bathed more frequently because they're outside and they're picking up germs and you need to, to minimize that because then they're running and sitting in your lap. So um, I thought I was pretty good at reading labels and picking out products and uh, you know, what I learned was that I was really good at being marketed to <laughs> because all of the products that I, I was choosing for my own dogs ended up being the ones that I was trying to eliminate for myself. Um, you know, as I began to try to clean up my own, own act with the, the healthier foods and more organic foods and products and things like that. And, and so it was a real eye opener. And that was one of your questions. That was a, a huge eye opener to see, okay, these are the things I'm trying to stay away from. And they're all in my pet products. And I don't, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that because of the way that companies are allowed to market. They can make anything sound like it's you know, the most pure natural thing in the world. And it's, it's really a bottle of toxic goo. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, that was kind of the eye opener when I, when I really started understanding the pet industry a little bit more. And, you know, at this point I was just three, four months into my own treatment and, and by no means out of, out of the woods at all um, at that point. So starting a new business still really wasn't front and center on, on my to-do list, but um, the idea began to take shape. It's like, okay, well, if I survive this, then I'm going to do something different going forward that is going to make a difference in, in this pet industry that is rotten through and through. And, um, you know, provide an option for pet parents that do care about ingredients and do want to know that what they think they're buying is, is actually what they're getting <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of something that's just been greenwashed on a label. So that's kind of, you know, how the vision came about. And then it, and then it was just, uh, 
a long time of planning and doing research and trying to figure out, okay, what, what ingredients will we use? What ingredients won't we absolutely never, ever use? And it, it became clear as, as that progressed that the only way we were going to really truly be able to make a difference was to, to make a product so pure that it could be certified organic. And there's not, there's not many of those. I mean, there's very few of us uh, in the market, although everybody feels pretty free about saying, you know, ha having organic verbiage and all natural verbiage on their label and on their website. And people believe that. I mean, it, it's the, it's, you know, the good in people that makes them want to believe the good in other people. And that's, that's where the, the pitfall is because, you know, by and large, the pet industry, they don't care about the health of your dog. They just want to sell products mm. and they don't really care what's in it. So, I mean, we see that a lot with the food industry and, and there is some regulation in the food industry, which is good, not, not still got a long way to go for sure. But in the grooming side of the pet industry, there's zero regulation, none. The only the only um, companies that have any guidance at all are the ones like Fourlegger that are certified organic. We've gone through the National Organic Program. We've got the USDA approvals and everybody else can pretty much say whatever they want to say and that's fine. And we, we are very limited in what, what claims we can make and what we can, what we can say because we do have the certifications. Wow. I think that that's one of the things, you know, you brought up is the fact that the pet, the pet industry is very shady. You know, they, you know, they was very misleading in terms of labels, uh, be it the pet food industry or the pet grooming industry, you know, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing in disguise, you know, um, with your cancer and, and everything that led before that to, to fall later is that your awareness of, you know, toxicity, you know, slowly getting used to, you know, um, all that. I think, you know, it's remarkable. I mean, like truly I have a lot of respect for you, you know, uh, and your journey because a lot of people normally, you know, if, my dog passed away on the day I was diagnosed with cancer. You know, I, I don't know if I would have the strength of character to go on. You know, um, knowing how, how much I love my animal, you know, I, I would probably just pick up a bottle or two and just drown my sorrow kind of, <laughs> you know, and like, screw the wall, you know. Um, but you, you actually, you know... Um, Push forward and 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 did did all the treatments and everything for twenty two months. Twenty two months, and that's it, yeah. It was it wasn't. Um, I had my treatment stop and start three times um, because of complications that came up, and so that's part of what pushed it out so long. Um, but one of the other uh, chemo drugs that I had to have, I had to have a full years worth of it and wow. so 
and actually a little bit more because when I was first diagnosed, it the original plan was that the minimal treatment would be sufficient. So I would have a lumpectomy. I wouldn't have to have a mastectomy, much less a double mastectomy. Um, that, you know, there would be very specific courses of chemo treatment, and then we would get through this other infusion therapy and, you know, go on with your life. And it just, it didn't work out <laughs> like that at all. Um, and and that that was the hardest part about it was because there were there were many times I was ready to just say forget this I, I can't do this it's too hard um, you know I've never been the most vain person in the world and I didn't think losing my hair was going to bother me that much but it kind of did and maybe it was because it was January and it was zero degrees and it was just cold. <laughs> But, you know, it, 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 it bothered me. And then when I had to stop uh, one of the chemo cocktails, you know, they call it because I started having eye problems. Well, I don't have eyes that I can afford to have <laughs> eye problems with, with all of the other, you know, issues that I've had with, with my retinas. And so, um, you know, one, one of the chemo drugs, um, blew out the capillary beds in both of my lungs. And so it, you know, there, that was another stop. And I still deal with that today. I will have that lung damage. Um, and it, it's actually the same type of lung damage that is found with COVID patients. So to say that I'm staying indoors and sheltering in place and staying away from people is, is a humongous understatement because I, I, you know, I have a high risk for that. And, um, we just don't live in a world right now where it's it's wise to to just go go about our activities as though nothing's going on, even for a healthy person, much less you know somebody that that has lung issues as a, a precursor. So, um, but yeah, there I mean there were there were many times when I just was ready to to throw in the towel, and you know fortunately there were people around that that encouraged me and, and helped me to continue on so that, you know, we could get to a point where it, it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was insurmountable anymore. Because I, I, probably I was about eight or nine months into my treatment before it really even became evident that I had a pretty decent chance of surviving. I mean, that, that first eight, eight, nine months, it was very touch and go. And that was scary. You know, I, um, I, I was very thankful during that time for the, the heritage that I have and the legacy of faith and, you know, strong Christian family that, um, you know, had always allowed me, even as a small child, to, to understand that God's in control you know, he's, he's sovereign, he's supreme, and it doesn't matter what you're going through, he's going to be there to go with it through you, or be there to go with you through it, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I relied on that very often in order to be able to press on and, and to get through, so, um, 
I, I thank you for your your admiration, but I definitely didn't have a lot of of courage at times, and it it wasn't always easy to just keep keep pushing ahead for sure. How old were you when you were diagnosed with cancer? I was fifty one. Wow. Yeah, very very young, and um, you know I've been healthy my whole life. You know, other than having crappy eyes, you know, <laughs> pretty much been otherwise healthy with, with regard to everything, not sick, never had the flu, never, you know, none of that stuff. And um, it was just like the bottom kind of all fell out at once. And, you know, for me, environmental toxins really, really came into it because, and this is something that I don't. I don't know that I've ever shared this on any other um, interview, so you can use it if you want, and if, if not, that's okay too, but I lost both my parents to cancer, and in our family on both sides, on my mom's side and my dad's side, they were the first two to ever be diagnosed with cancer, and they died um, both died in 2005, the same year, actually 19 days apart. And if I hadn't had Henry Clay then, <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, that was just a very, very dark time to get through. And so then when I turned around and was diagnosed with cancer, I'm like, well, what in the world is this? I saw a, a, a geneticist about, about it. My oncologist want me to have the BRCA testing and all that. But when I talked to uh, the geneticist, you know, my father had melanoma, my mother had lymphoma, and I had breast cancer. And there is no genetic connection between any of those three cancers. So it was obvious to me, this is environmental. How, how could it be otherwise? If it, you know, if there's no genetic link between any of these three cancers, then it, it has to be environmental. And so, you know, having to go through all of, all of, you know, my cancer journey and everything with, without the support of my parents was probably the hardest thing about it. They were, you know, they were, they and my, my mom's parents, my, my grandparents were my pillars, you know, they were my, my four pillars and they were all gone in less than three years of each other. And, uh, you know, it was tough. That was, that was a very dark time. And, you know, I had Henry Clay. And that was, that was um, a good thing. And another little dog, his little sister, Gracie, she was a nut. But I, I can't overstate the importance of having that connection with an animal. And it never occurred to me that a dog would be capable of filling spaces and gaps and voids the way that Henry did, that no no other person could have done, no other person could have done that. Um, so it just, I think that's when I truly learned, you know, how much I loved having a dog and had and loved having that connection. So when it when it finally occurred to me that we need to be doing a whole lot better by our pets than we are. That was kind of what lit the fire under me to, to go out and, and 
start pulling at the thread of four-legger and see how that would unravel and um, here we are. <laughs> but I guess to answer your original question, I'm fine. This is my five-year um, five remission, so year, which was a huge milestone if you're, if you're a, a cancer patient. And so technically I'm now officially cancer-free and uh, very, very happy about that and looking forward to a long future. Well, I think God planned this out for you. You know, he's not letting you go anytime soon because you've got a lot of work to do. There are lots of other dogs out there that need your help, really. You know, because what, what, what you've created um, for Liga out of your whole life experience is something that, to me, listening to your story, you know, I love my bottle even more now. <laughs> you have no idea how, you know, it's, 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 you know, life journeys like yours, um, you know, um, it's it's very touching. It's it's very inspiring because, you know, um, I can't, you know, imagine what, what it must have been like to, to go through your, your cancer journey without your parents, you know, your four pillars, as you say, your family, you know, that, that, that meant so much to you, you know, um, and Henry Clay being gone, you know, having your other two dogs, but it's it's a very challenging period. I you know, it's like because your body is going through so much. It's not just the you know, like, it's not like saying like, oh, you lost a job, you know, you get over it and get a new job, no biggie, you know. Uh, it's 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 a physical thing, like you were saying that like, you're not a vain person, but you know, losing your hair you know, physically, you know, having, um, you know, an operation, a double mastectomy and all that, it, it cuts to what we, you know, a lot of us assume is like, what, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, like, who is Melissa Boland? Right. You know, it does. you know, to the very core of your identity, like, you know, who, who am I? Right. You know, I've been stripped of so many things, you know, First my dog and then, you know, uh, my body, my, you know, parts of me that I never really thought was important. And suddenly I feel that, you know, it, it, it's gone, you know, during that whole process. Um, not many people can go through that with grace and come out of it stronger. You know, listening to you and, and looking at you today, you know, like you look fantastic. You know, you look beautiful. You look amazing. You know, truly, truly. You know, um, and and you know, I. You know, to me, it's like huge respect for you. You know, and and your journey because, like I said, I. If it was to happen to me, I don't know if I would have that strength of character to go through, you know, and 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 come out of it stronger. And of all things, to create four ligger, you know. <laughs> Out of out of everything, when when did you when did you start you know putting the plans together for Four Legger? Well, we did a lot of research. Um, you know that 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 was pretty much how I spent my cancer. the The last half of my cancer was just doing, getting through the the treatments and and doing the research to see what what we needed to do, who we needed to help us what experts and, and that. So um, 
one of the very first obstacles was we we had already decided we wanted to be able to to go through the the national organic program and be certified organic there's not that many uh, uh, bottling facilities and you know the the places where you actually make your make your your product and have it bottled and, and ready to go to the shelf those all have to be certified organic too to handle to handle those ingredients and and everything coming in and out and um so that was that was a pretty pretty big um um barrier in the beginning and you know we looked at some places around here uh in kentucky and you know even went and, and interviewed this guy and he was like oh well you don't have to say that it's got that ingredient in it or you don't have to you you really don't have to say uh, like it's formaldehyde <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i mean he just it, he just totally missed the boat on, you know, what our priority was. And, and it made me realize that's the way most pet manufacturers are. That is absolutely the way most of them are. And, you know, the other barrier was you go to Amazon, you know, the world, Amazon owns the world these days. If you go, I did this earlier just to see, if you do a search for dog shampoo on Amazon, there are over 5,000 results, 5,000, 220 pages. If you have, you know, that much time to waste in a day to, <laughs> to thumb through looking at all of them. I mean, how in the world is a pet parent supposed to be able to filter through all of that and find the good ones and eliminate the bad ones and you know be able to to know for sure that what they're choosing to put on their dog is the healthiest thing that they can get it, it i mean it's hard for me and i know the tricks and i know the words to look for and i know know you know kind of how how it goes with with greenwashing of information and making things you know, yeah, it might have been a coconut when you started processing it, but by the time you got done applying chemicals to it and now it's cocoa betaine, that's that's a synthetic. It's a toxin. <laughs> and people are supposed to feel good about putting something that was derived from a plant, derived from a coconut, when they're not being told the other half of that story. And so it just... Um, it's astonishing to me that there's no oversight. You know, we, we, we love our dogs so much and, and, you know, Americans don't have any claim on that. Everybody in the world loves their pets. And, um, you know, we depend on agencies and, and uh, regulating authorities to be able to help make that safe. And it's, it's just not, I mean, look at, look at Monsanto and GMOs. And I mean, it, it's for humans. It's for, it's for everything. Why would pets be any different? And it's really interesting when you, when you kind of go back and look at the history of how this all came about, to me, it's interesting. Um, it was, I think probably during the eighties in the United States when pets 
moved inside. Before that, they were outside dogs. You know, nobody had fences in the neighborhood. Somebody might have had a dog and it ended up being the neighborhood dog because it just wandered around and everybody took care of it and fed it. And, um, you know, at, during that time, dogs died for two reasons, mainly. They either got hit by a car or they died of old age. And, and there really wasn't too many other reasons for that. And then small dogs got popular. You know, everybody wanted a small dog and they came inside. And when they came inside, they brought their fleas with them and they brought their ticks with them <laughs> and they brought all of these things. And so, you know, knowing kind of what we know now about the pharmaceutical companies and what they're capable of, um, and you better edit that out. <laughs> you know, they, they saw an opportunity. You know, they saw, well, let's just make something that we can put on dogs that'll kill fleas and ticks. And, you know, but it probably won't hurt them. We don't have any longevity studies to support that. But, you know, let's try it and see. We're pretty good at killing pests and, you know, agriculturally speaking and, and plants and, and all. So let's just make a pesticide that'll that'll take care of this problem and then dogs can come in. And, you know, it was just one thing like that after another over the next decade or so. And all of a sudden now dogs were being treated for every kind of illness that humans are treated for. They're treated for liver disease, for kidney disease, for cardi cardiac disease, for, for neurological problems, for everything that humans are. It's because we started treating them like little humans, you know, and giving them the medical community started, you know, promoting products that really weren't that safe. And, you know, I love veterinarians. I absolutely love, I have more respect. I could not be a veterinarian if, if I had to, because I think you just have to have such a big heart, but like with humans, Western medicine, at least at some point has gotten off path, whether it's, it's for humans or for, for, you know, veterinary care. And, you know, we became much more a society that was not as focused on, on treating problems, diagnosing and treating problems and curative things as we became uh, more interested in just treating symptoms and making the surface look as though there's no problem. And meanwhile, you know, over 20 years, we now have statistics like 50% of all dogs are diagnosed with cancer. How can that be? I mean, why is that? And, and when you look at it from a genetic standpoint, only 5% of canine cancer is genetic. Only 5%. That's good news, really, because that means the other 95% is environmental and we can change that. We can absolutely change it. We just have to know how to. And we have to figure out how to weed through all of the, the garbage. And it, it, it's everything. It's not, it's not just grooming products. I don't know how many times I get on the phone talking to a customer that the conversation doesn't veer off to food. <laughs> what are you feeding your dog? <laughs> and it's important. I mean, 
we hear a lot in the holistic community, especially about the importance of good food, whole food, raw food. I feed my dogs raw food. Um, and that's important because what starts on the inside works to the outside. So for me, you can't just get the food right and leave the grooming products alone. What good does it do to clean up their inside if you're just then slathering them up with every synthetic known to man that has already been associated with all kinds of health risk and all kinds of, of cancers, you know, everything from just simple skin irritation to cancer. Um, you know, and, and the other part that you kind of have to get right is the vaccination protocol. I mean, there, there's, those are the big three to me that you have to get right and you shouldn't have a conversation about one without having a conversation about the others as well because you're, you're, if you do that, you're only allowing people to think, okay, well, if I get the food right, then it doesn't matter what else I do. No, it's, it's, it's not that simple. And every time a dog or a cat or any kind of a pet gets sick with something that is then determined to be because of environmental toxins, that's why. Because so many other things are left undone or not attended to. Yeah, I mean, as a pet owner myself, I, I mean, like I started out, you know, being a very good patient with my vet clinic. You know, when I, I my my very first pet, I didn't get till in the year twenty oh eight. You know, um, my own pet. Um, when I was younger, we had dogs in the house, but that was more like, like you were saying, like guard dogs. My, my parents were, you know, the, the old fashioned type, like, you know, dogs are not pets. Right. They're <laughs> function for them and they're supposed to be outside. You know, they're not cute and cuddly and they're not supposed to be in your bed. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the last thing that they want. Um, but I remember when I first adopted my first rescue um, cat, Meow, she in 2008. You know, I did everything the vet told me to do. So, you know, I did vaccinations for the first five years of her life. I fed, you know, a uh, science diet or, you know, whatever food that the vet recommended, which really was, you know, the vet prescription diets, right. you know, and she started to have issues with her digestive tract. She was throwing up, you know, and then we kept switching and switching, you know, um, and she was a kibble addict. That's thanks to me. It took me a while to 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 switch her from a dry food to even a commercial wet canned food. Right. The struggle is real. The yes. war is real <laughs> with cats, yes. you know, because of the the they have a very addictive nature. When especially when you get them young, you know, they bond with the very first food they eat. Mm -hmm. So whatever you feed them first, they will think that even if it's cancerous causing, they'll think that's that's my that's my mana. Yeah, you know. So it took me a very long time to to wean her off the kibble, and I fed twenty four seven buffet style. Yes, with the dry food, cause you know how. Right. What did I know, right? <laughs> Just leave it out there. And the cat will not bug me, and I can sleep through the night. <laughs> you know. Um, so I I was a very ignorant pet parent when I started out. You know, I didn't know better then. You know, I just did whatever the vet told me. And when I started to see, you know, she was, she was getting sick and, and throwing up and I kept bringing her to the vet. And all they did was change 
a little bit of the food, but there was a lot of steroids, a lot of antibiotics and stuff. And, you know, after a while, I mean, like, you sort of ask yourself, really? (laughs) You know, is this it? (laughs) You know, why is it getting so expensive and I'm not getting any, any results, you know, like the end of the road? Why can't I see the end of the road? Why isn't there any resolution? And um, I think that's when I started to get into the internet and Googling, mm-hmm. you know. That's the nice thing about Google, actually, when you stay very far away, as I do in Southeast Asia, you know, uh, on a tiny little island set, you know. I, I started to try and figure out what, what, what was the, you know, what could be wrong. And um, I found Dr. Karen Becker on Dr. McCullough's website. Mm-hmm. And that opened my, my, my eyes and my mind to a lot of things because the article she wrote, you know, it yeah. wasn't just like you were saying about food, you know, it was about everything, the environment, the, you know, what you feed them, the vaccination, you know, everything. And that was my very first education, you know, into what it is, what it means to be a responsible pet parent, really. Right. You know, what you should be doing, what you should be looking out for. And as I started to learn, I started to ask myself like, hey, wait a minute, I'm doing everything for my animals. Um, How about myself now? (laughs) 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 You know, (laughs) and and that's when you sort of start, because I've got skin problems. I've got eczema, you know, um, I've had, you know, um, my own digestive problems and stuff. So it... It was funny how I started to look at things around me, as you were saying, like toxins and environments. And it's like, oh, my cleaner, my, my washing detergent, <laughs> hmm, my shampoo, hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was, it, it was kind of funny when um, it dawned on me, literally just kind of occurred to me, hmm, my dog shampoo is healthier than my shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, that's when the the cupboard got cleaned out, you know, that day. It was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going through, I'm purging all of this stuff. I don't want it anymore. I don't need it. I yeah. don't want it. And so it was, that was kind of a, a an aha moment that for myself, which maybe should have happened first, but it didn't. I was more worried about my dog than me. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why I said I think you know animals coming into our life. To me, I, 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 I sincerely believe that they're angels sent from God from heaven mm-hmm. to to take care of us. Yep. You know, and and if it wasn't for my animals, I wouldn't have a healthier lifestyle now compared to before. Because mm-hmm. you know, uh, not that I'm you know super healthy. You know, I still eat. Uh, processed food every now and then you know it's life but i i've actually started to you know clean out the chemicals in my house Mm -hmm. so dynamo um, i don't know whether they call it dynamo in in the u.s but you know that like liquid power detergent that Mm -hmm. you know everybody has Mm -hmm. or ajax or you know like dettol um you know, uh, we call it Dettol here. I think you call it something else in, in the US, Pine Sol or something. I, I'm not too sure. But um, all, these, all these things that, you know, we were trained as we were young to love that smell. Like when you smell the chemical, it means your house is clean. Yes, exactly. The bleach and everything, it's, it's heaven. You know, we were taught that. 
Right. You know, when when you put when you put your washing detergent in your in your washing machine and your fabric softener and then you put it in a dryer with your dryer sheets and everything and it comes out smelling wonderful, you know, you think like that that is clean. Yes. And it took me a long time to reverse that brainwashing. Yes. Because it was very insidious because all that smell literally seeped into under my skin mm-hmm. to brainwash me to think that, you know, I'll think like, okay, this smell means it's clean. <laughs> you know, that's all and bleach means it's, you know, my house is, is perfect and I'm healthy, yep. you know, and, and the antibacterial washes that I have, you know, it's good for my skin. But, you know, it took me a long time to, to really piece it together and, to have the courage to break away from everything because right. suddenly the, the, the thought that, okay, if you're supposed to use natural products, they don't smell that way. Clean doesn't mean that you're supposed to smell some sort of fragrance. Clean is clean. Right. You know, um, so it was a huge psychological warfare going in my head as well. Mm-hmm. Getting used to like, um, having a, a greener home, a less, a more chemical-free home. Right. And I didn't realize how huge an impact it had on my life until I started to dog sit for a neighbor of mine a few years ago. Because um, she went away, she went to England for a while, and she had a senior dog that needed care. Yeah, like, you know, like real care. So when I was staying at her house, the first 24 hours, my skin started to flare up. Because I was using her, you know, her, her hand soap, her dish soap, washing up, you know, um, doing the laundry and stuff, you know, like everything, the beddings for the dog. And, and I realized like, you know, it hit me like, oh, wait a minute. I've been chemical free for a couple of years now mm-hmm. in my home. I didn't think what a huge impact it had on my life or yeah. my health did. It actually, you know, cleaned me out. So when I went to her home for just two weeks, you know, I started to like have breathing problems, skin issues. I get I was getting headaches. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm not bathing in a home anymore. I'll come home and bathe because she lived a couple of floors down from me in the same building. You know, we lived in the same building, so that was a blessing. Sure. But I actually brought my own detergent, my own hand soap, and everything. You know, to to her home because and I and I use gloves. You know, when I was washing up and and stuff because I I realized like, holy cow environmental toxins yes they're everywhere. huge everywhere and you know because i cleaned up only for a few years so can you imagine you know like how many years we've actually been exposed to it since young since birth even before birth right with our parents carrying us nine months you know in, in utero you know we in those days we really didn't think about all these environmental toxins no we did you know we didn't we didn't have any reason to because the whatever purposes they were created for they served the purpose but we didn't understand the ramifications of that because that you know the the manufacturers weren't talking about that they were just saying oh we'll 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 clean it up for you or we'll we'll make something you know the other thing besides smelling uh being equated to clean is the amount of suds you get if it's if it's not sudsing up then it's not clean and you know there that's just ridiculous to start with but you know 
organic shampoo does have kind of a history of of uh, not being a good sudser. If you make it correctly, it suds great. I mean, you you've got experience with ours. You know, you can you can either vouch for that or not. But I love Folega. I don't have any any trouble getting as much suds or more out of our shampoo. And you know, the, then also kind of to to underscore what you said about scents that we knew right away we're using essential oils. And you know, we kind of had Dr. Shelton pegged right from the beginning as, okay, she's the expert. When it comes to essential oils, she is the expert. And that's who we're going to, um, you know, use her protocols, her, her determinations of, of, you know, whether an essential oil is a high enough quality that it's safe enough to be used around animals and you know, have had the pleasure of, of spending time with her many, many times. And, you know, we've even kind of worked on a couple of projects that still haven't come to fruition yet, but, you know, we can hope <laughs> and see. But um, it, it's, I'm like you, you know, once once I started using essential oils more in in my environment for scent, then anytime I go out and I'm exposed to some kind of artificial something, it's like instant headache and just almost, depending on what it is, kind of a, a nauseating sort of, yep. of of a feeling. And yeah, you know, it's it's a shame that we're just inundated with that stuff and surrounded by that stuff so much and don't even realize it. I, it's it's interesting. Something that comes up occasionally with us is people think our lavender, well, it doesn't smell like lavender. <laughs> it's like, yes, it does. What you're used to is synthetic lavender. <laughs> yep. And it, so, you know, people don't even know what something is supposed to smell like because there's a synthetic variant of almost everything now. And that's become yeah. the norm because they're so much cheaper. They're, you know, that's what manufacturers choose because they're less expensive and it increases their profit margin to have you know, to not be spending money on ingredients that they can put in their pocket instead. It's yeah. not, it's not an in, in uh, or a um, inexpensive um, commitment to be certified organic. It, it's not, and and most people don't really. They they you know they understand that there is. A certification process for organic but they don't really understand that there's different levels of certification I mean it's not just you're either organic or you're not there's different levels of that even um, but the biggest thing that people and, and it's one of the education points that we spend a lot of time on uh, trying to help people know how can you tell if a product is certified organic or if it's not. Well, there actually are ways. There are two ways, in fact. Any, any product, and by that I mean every label <laughs> of every product has to have one of two things. It either has to have a, a statement of certification by the agency it, that is representative of the National Organic Program that certified that product and verified the ingredients that are in it. 
or it has to have the USDA seal on it. So in both cases, uh, in, in both cases, it has to have the statement. If it's truly pure enough to have earned the USDA seal, then it has the USDA seal. And we are incidentally the only shampoo manufacturer in the world that has earned the USDA seal on our newer, newer line of shampoos using the formulation that we have. And so, you know, we're, we're super proud of that. And it's, it's, it's the gold standard. You know, people see the USDA seal and if they don't know anything else, they know this is good. You know, this, this is what I want. This is good. But even in, in the other cases, um, you know, if a, if a product truly has been certified organic, it has to have one of those two things, period. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the manufacturer is saying, it's not organic. And it's really just as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, we, we live in a very artificial world. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people actually realize the amount of crap that's being sold to us the quality of the things that are being sold to us. A lot of times, you know, um, I, I love Dr. Melissa Shelton's essential oils, Animalio, because I use it for my rescue work, right. you know, and I use it in my home, you know, uh, diffusion. I use it for my cleaning, you know, my washing, you know, and a lot of people, they bulk at the, you know, when they ask how much is it, you know, uh, <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, why is it so expensive? You know, um, I can buy it. I can buy from Watson's, you know, or, or Walmart. you know, the, the, yeah, you know, like the, the, the local, you know, supermarket or around the corner shop and I can get it for a couple of bucks, you know, right. And I can get lavender right. easy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, what, what makes your, your, your chamomile or your, or your lavender, you know, why is it so expensive? And, and, you know, it, <sighs> It's because you are so used to the artificial smells, the taste. It's like it's like people eating McDonald's or processed food all their life. Mm -hmm. You know they're so used to that taste and the amount of salt, and it's not even good salt. It's the crappy salt. Right. You know <laughs> that 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 you're used to. That they they don't even know what real food tastes like. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like what what a fresh tomato would actually. Right. You know, they think like, you know, like, oh, you know, like that's not good. This, this is not healthy. And, you know, they want to, they want to go back to, to their processed stuff. And it's because we, we have been so um, desensitized mm -hmm. to the taste and the smell and the environment. We have no idea what a insidious world we live in because right. we are, every day our body is being assaulted by it, you know, um, all these chemicals, mm -hmm. they, they have no idea. And, you know, when, when, when I first heard of Four Leggers through um, Annie Malio, Dr. Shelton, and she, you know, she was using that and, and, and with her oils and everything. And I was like, hey, that's what I need for my dog. So, you know, um, in those days, you weren't even being distributed in Singapore yet. Right. You know, so I actually got, uh, I ordered it uh, and, and sent it to my friend's home in the U.S., and then she and then she will put it into a care package and, and send it off to me. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, um, in those days, you know, to me, your 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 shampoo was gold. <laughs> you know, besides the fact that there's the the you know the exchange rate going on, you know, Singapore dollar to the US dollar, um, but it was really precious. Everything that I got, you know, so I was you know very happy when I started to use it on my dog and everything, and and then I realized like, hey, I can use it for myself when I ran out of my own. <laughs> so you know, like a few days, like I'll be using, I'll be so happy because I know it's safe, right? You know, exactly. it's clean. It's it's a clean product, and not a lot of people appreciate that. Mm-mm. You know, well, you and so, you'll appreciate this, I'm sure, and relate to it now. Like when you were at your friend's house or, or if you have to go, or if you're traveling and stay in a hotel and you forget to take your four-legger shampoo and you have to use the soap that's in there, it just feels like there's slime all over your skin when you've gotten used to that not being there. You know, yeah. from using, using an organic shampoo, you don't get that residue feel on your skin. And it it's like, you feel like you need to take another shower just to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, that's why, I, that's why I think majority of people um, living in this world is like living in the matrix, you know, um, it's so artificial. Yep. They have no idea nope. just how artificial everything is around them and what they choose to eat and consume, you know, to put on their skin, right. you know, right. um, not just the animals, but our own. You know, uh, when you talk about toxicity, it's like we are poisoning ourselves. Yes, we absolutely It's are. a very slow, insidious poison and it's manifesting in so many ways that, you know, once you clean up your, your diet, your environmental, you reduce the exposure to vaccinations, even for humans, you know, I'm, but with dogs and cats, it's like you become a healthier person and suddenly you're thinking clears up you know like i literally lived in brain fog for many many years because i disrespected my body years ago because i was a workaholic and you know i would smoke i would drink i would you know i i just didn't didn't take care of myself you know and then i got very sick and you know my digestive issue like gynecological problems as well and I suddenly, I couldn't really read. I couldn't write. I used to write a lot, you know, I was into the arts, but suddenly I had a, a I don't know, writer's block, creative block, brain fog, literally for many years. And I got very depressed. But when I started to heal and clean up, detox myself, literally, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I started to do my, my volunteer work with my animal rescue and, you know, my pet ownership and trying to figure out, why is my cat this way? You know, um, slowly the pieces sort of, you know, go into place. Um, you know, like, hmm, you are what you eat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you are what you use, what you put on your skin, right. you know, uh, what you expose yourself to, you know, physically. Um, truly it has a huge impact. And many people do not realize the impact it has on their brain, you know, on their physical well-being, but also on their mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I suspect that if, if majority of the world actually cleaned up and started to using truly organic products, clean products, you know, not just for their animals, but for themselves, right. 
I think you would see depression will go down. Mm-hmm. Mental illness would actually drop. You know, right. uh, people would actually be a lot clearer in how they deal with life. Right. You know, uh, I think the, that question, who am I? Like, who is Melissa Boland? You know, that question will become a lot clearer mm-hmm. once you strip away all that artificial stuff. Right. You know, and in a way, listening to your story, um, It really, you know, uh, teaches me, you know, like your life journey with Four Legger and everything, the creation of a very clean and beautiful product is a culmination of your own life experience. <laughs> Literally, you know. Um, and I, I, you know, you, you might think that, you know, uh, uh, it's no big deal, but to me, you know, uh, your strength of character, which you think you don't have, but you really do, your faith, you know, uh, your fortitude, you know, to push on because honestly, wow, 22 months, five years, (laughs) you know, and then you're trying to do a business, you know, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, not a spring chicken either, you know, <laughs> not a spring chicken either, right? And I just think it's, I have a huge respect for you. And, and I always feel that a lot of business people, a lot of entrepreneurs, they always have this misconception that being an entrepreneur, you, you have to be young to start a business. You have to be young to, to be an entrepreneur. They don't realize that um, actually a, a lot of mid-career change adults, you know, in their 40s and 50s, they actually probably make better entrepreneurs because of the wealth of experience that they've had. Exactly. You know, from all the different jobs that they've had, you know, through the years, um, dealing with people, all that, all that caca, you know, and life experience. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like, and you're, you're very unique life experience as well. Your personal life experience you know, it created for Lega. You know, truly. Um, if if there's one thing, how how old is Four Lega now? We are just entering our sixth year, so that was kind of the the happy thing about Four Lega that coincided when when we were ready to launch Four Lega. We had one product. We were a one-trick pony. We had the lemongrass and aloe shampoo, which is is the original, and um, it was ready in August of 2015, and that was the the same month and year that I finished my last treatment, uh, infusion treatment. Um, transition to the oral medication, but, but, you know, no more going and sitting in a chemo chair anymore after all these months. So that was a really great way, you know, to mark the end of that chapter. Okay, we're done with this. And now we've got this to look forward to. And, you know, I guess kind of the easy button for us was just rather than trying to, to go do a bunch of marketing and, and all of that on our own, we thought, let's just throw it up on Amazon and see what happens. 
And we did. We put it up um, in the third week of August. And in less than six weeks, it had sold in all 50 states and six countries. And we weren't wow. even selling globally. <laughs> um, you know, so that was our market test. You know, that was for me, that was the, that was the test to prove whether other pet parents were the same as me in that they wanted to have the very best that they could get for their pets or if that was just nonsense, you know, in, in my own head that, that I needed to get over. And so when it got that kind of, of reception, you know, it's like, okay, this is what people want. This is what, what we're going to do. And, you know, we had other recipes and other formulas kind of in the waiting in the wings to see how that, that market test went. And we just started rolling them out, you know, and we wound up with four, four shampoos in the original line, which is the certified organic to food standard. And, we developed a nose and paw balm. We developed a dental powder and we developed a, um, a, a kind of a touch up spray sort of a thing to use in between baths, which is, which is in keeping with our, our uh, methodology of, of keeping healthy exposures, keeping your pets near healthy exposures of essential oils. You're not going to bathe them every day. So you need to have something in between baths that you're using to continue to keep them exposed to, to different essential oils for, for the benefits that they're getting for that so that their overall health is more sustained. Um, and it's not just, you know, you, you can't expect a bath to be a miracle drug or it's not a silver bullet. You, there's other things. If you're, if you're going to raise your pets holistically, it has to be a daily thing. It, can, it can't be just, you know, like flea and tick treatment and you put it on once a month and you don't think about it again for another month. It's, it's not that way. And it's not that way by design. That's, that's nature. That is the, that is the simple distinction between nature and artificial or synthetic synthetics made to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and that's why you know the towel you washed six months ago and gain still smells good <laughs> but it really shouldn't you know <laughs> yeah it shouldn't and you know um a lot of times you you just you have to to break it down to things that people understand and for natural things like that, it, I always go back to food and that may be because I'm originally from Mississippi and I like to eat, but um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're eating healthy, you, you can make a steak dinner and buy non-organic stuff and it'd be a pretty cheap dinner. Or you can make a steak dinner and have organic beef and organic potatoes and organic salad and organic and all that. And it's going to cost more. So the, the quality is, is uh, what's driving the cost of that. But, you know, people, people understand that kind of analogy or, you know, they understand, well, why if I 
you know, I bathed my dog three weeks ago. Why don't they still smell like, you know, lemongrass or, or whatever? It's like, well, next time you're in your kitchen, get a tomato or an apple and sit it out on the counter and let it sit there for three weeks and see what happens to it. It's, it's going to break down. That's, that's just nature. That's the way it, it's intended to be. So it, it is a complete and different mind shift that the the pet parent has to be willing to make in order to jump from more traditional products and foods to uh, more natural and organic products and foods. Yeah, I I I, I so hear you because you know um, when I when I use uh, four legger with the essential oils to begin with. And I was, so, I was so happy, you know, that I found this combination. And I remember a, a friend, you know, uh, saw my dog and it's like, you know, tried to smell. It's like, you know, like after a while, because I was telling about this amazing shampoo, you know, like four-legged, I was like talking about it and the oils. And they were like, I don't, I don't smell anymore. It's like, we were not supposed to last forever that way, you know. <laughs> but my dog is clean. Exactly. <laughs> and... And I cleaned my dog in a clean way right. when I gave her a shower because, you know, we, when we go for our long walks and she gets into the mud and everything, yeah. you know, and I hose her down and I give her an, a, a nice, a, a, a nice uh, shampoo thing uh, once in a while. And so a lot of people, they still equate, you know, the suds, mm-hmm. the, the, the foaming part and that, that, that uh, fabric softener smell that they should smell from their dogs, yep. you know, on their dogs, right. Uh, right. you know, it should last for a long, long time. Right. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you don't want that. <laughs> well, and, and even that, you know, dogs aren't little robots, you know, they're all genetically different too. And we've, you know, we found that some dogs do hold scent longer than other dogs do some you know they're like needing a bath the night of the morning they just got one because they're just kind of a stinky dog but what we know now is okay well there's another underlying problem to that if if that's the case but uh, you know they, they either have an unhealthy gut or they've got you know something at the skin level that's disrupting the the ph and the the sebum productive production um but you know it's interesting to me i hear from people that say well gosh you know i bathe my dog in your shampoo and they smell good three weeks later and then you know another person will i bathe them and they smelled good but then the next day they didn't smell so good again and it's like well we can't think of our pets as little robots that are going to respond to everything exactly the same way what works for one isn't necessarily the answer for every other dog out there. And that's, that's why, you know, we have so many different combinations of things so that, you know, for whatever issue, even if it's a non-issue, even if it's just for maintenance, you know, kind of purposes, you've got a good healthy dog and you don't, don't really have any issues that you're dealing with. There's something for that. And, and, you know, and then between that all the way up to creating a custom shampoo blend like you're talking about using you know very specific essential oils to address a problem that you may be having with yeast or or mm. you know any anything like that so there's there's a very very wide spectrum available and 
that's, I don't know that we really saw that in the beginning, but that's definitely where it's gone. And so our, our little one trick pony company, now we have 17, you know, different wow. separate SKUs and different sizes of some of the same ones. And um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's been a, a remarkable journey for sure. And it's something that I enjoy talking to people about. I miss, I miss things about occupational therapy because, you know, I, I have a, a want to help kind of a nature. I want, I want to help people. And so this has just been such an easy transition because I'm not helping people. So I am still helping people because I'm helping educate them. And, and that's been more of the shift from actual clinical treatment and, and hands-on kind of treatment with patients to being more of an educator. And I really like that because now I still get to help people, but I get to help people that love dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty cool. Putting together, putting together two passions that you enjoy. That's exactly you know. right. That's exactly right. Did you, you know, in, wow, six years, four legger? Yep. Six years. We're in, we're in, we started our sixth year in August this year. So. so, you know, did you, did you ever think, um, the last six years, you know, like, did you ever feel like giving up or, you know, um, Oh yeah. I mean, stopping during, during the throes of, of chemo for sure. You know, there were, there were times then that it just was like, I don't, I can't physically do this you know I don't have the mental stamina I don't have the cognitive stamina and I certainly don't have the physical stamina to be able to do this and you know once that all kind of cleared up and went away and, and I, I started um, on a road where I knew I was going going to recover from cancer um, there still were barriers I mean I'm a I'm kind of a, a um, introverted person it's it's not really easy for me to to be the the focal point or you know to be the the attention focus person i'm i'm not like that i'm a little shy <laughs> but you know it's it's okay it's okay you have to have some things like that to keep you honest too and to you know to push you to keep trying to to spread education and spread awareness around so um i don't know i mean you know it, it's discouraging sometimes when you when you see what's going on on places like amazon you just think there's there's no way i mean you can't it it's really kind of ridiculous we do sell on amazon but it's just because there's such a big elephant you can't ignore it but what I always try to stress to people is if, you know, Amazon's not really a great friend to small businesses. They, they present themselves to be, but they're not. And, um, you know, if, if there's a company that you really love their product and they're a small business and they happen to sell on Amazon, but they also have their own, you know, sales channel through their own website, buy it from them. You know, it's, it's going to keep them more 
uh, stable, you know, and in a position to where financially it's not such a stress. You think you go and sell a whole bunch of stuff on Amazon, but what people don't realize is they collect half. They take half. <laughs> so wow. whatever the price is on Amazon that you're buying it for, they're keeping half of it. Wow. So, you know, when, and when you have a company like Four Legger that we're constantly doing product development and research and, and all that's not inexpensive and maintaining our organic certification, that that's not a, a one and done thing either. You get your label initially certified organic and it has to be recertified at least once a year. And sooner, if there's a crop change, or if you know there's some kind of uh, of an event to where you change change from one ingredient to another, if you change anything from the original certification formula, you have to get it get it recertified. And you know they don't do that for free, so <laughs> it's it's a commitment. We have 17 labels. Seven and not not even we actually have twenty nine labels when you count in the different size variances. We have to get all of those recertified every single year. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of money. You know. Yeah. It's, just, it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. And you know, one of one of the the things that I was very committed to in the beginning was because people people sometimes are in the position where they have to make a choice between a, a more healthy product, but it costs more. And so because of whatever their financial circumstances, they need, they need a, a less expensive option. And so that's the whole, the whole uh, emphasis behind our original line, the food, the food grade line is we wanted to, be able to have something sitting side by side on a shelf with something that wasn't organic, but the price point was close enough to where the average person wouldn't have to make a choice between choosing the healthy product and choosing the non-healthy product. So, and we've committed that. We haven't, we haven't raised our price yet. That's going to unfortunately probably change next year some just because we've absorbed a lot of expenses mm. and costs over the last five years, but, um, you know, and then, and then I don't know what made me think about this, but the whole COVID-19 thing that just put a totally different, um, spin on just running a business. You know, there's been so much, uh, so many issues with supply chain, um, problems and not just the logistics of getting something from one place to another, but actual material supply chain problems. When, when uh, the lockdowns first started in the United States, you know, I spent two weeks checking all of our ingredients, hundreds of ingredients to make sure that we would have enough of the source materials to continue manufacturing. It didn't occur to me that the problem was going to be, that all of the available plastics that you know were used to make things like bottles and caps <laughs> were being diverted to the medical community to make PPE, and so we ran we ran out of caps. 
Wow. We didn't run out of shampoo. We ran out of things to put it in and, and cover it with. And, you know, it, it's just astonishing the things that it doesn't seem like there should be any connection whatsoever between COVID-19 and shampoo bottles. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I think, I think COVID-19 has been a, a very, a very interesting experience for everyone globally. Yes. Because the impact that it has made on each individual, not just a business, but, you know, right. it, it makes you think a lot about, again, that word, who am I, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do I relate to this world, to the, you know, what's going on? How do I respond? You know, um, I think a lot of times, you know, we are reactive to things around us. We, we don't think clearly enough to be able to have a measured response to, you know, to crisis, you know. Um, so people will freak out and I mean like there have been companies that shut down because of COVID-19 because they were really not prepared for the impact it would have on, on their business. Right. Right. You know, and actually when you tell me this about, you don't have enough plastic to bottle (laughs) your products, you know, um, it's, you know, like it's, it's like, you know, again, it, 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 it hits me and go like, yeah, we really take a lot of things for granted in this high consumer world that we live in. You know, we, we, we really take a lot of things for granted. And so it makes me wonder, you know, um, plus the fact that, you know, how long will COVID-19 last? How long will this state of emergency last globally? You know, even like, getting my, my, my orders and shipping in things, can, there's a delay, you know, right. um, you know, not now, you know, we used to live in a very fast, fast world where, you know, like you snap your fingers and it's quick, 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 you know, overnight order very fast, no problem. You know, um, now it's like, well, we'll have to see, we can't promise you that, right. you know, we can try our best, but you know, we can't promise you whether or not, the, the, the postman that on their end will, will be able to, to deliver because of COVID-19. Right. Well, we, you know, you know, we, we've been really fortunate, not wood or touch wood, whatever the, the expression is. You know, being an internet business is not a bad thing during, during COVID. We don't have a storefront. We don't, you know, we, we retail a lot through our wholesale customers, but, um, you know, we don't have any, any part of that as far as, as the actual management of it goes. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's not been a terrible thing for four legger. I mean, we've, we've actually, this is our best year so far by far. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in the United States, a lot of it had to do with, okay, during lockdown, all the groomers shut down. And everybody was calling their groomer and say, what do I buy for my dog? You know, and so our internet sales picked way up and Amazon sales and and whatnot picked way up. And, you know, so it's been good for us, but I know many people, friends that I have that, that actually have brick and mortar types of small businesses. And, you know, it's, it's definitely not their story. And so you know, I try to be really, really sensitive about that. And um, it's just, 
it's hard. Um, some of the, the situations and the choices people have had to make, you know, because of, of COVID. And like you said, we don't know when it's, I guess the biggest thing that we had to do restriction wise is we quit, uh, quit taking wholesale application accounts from foreign countries. Um, wow. We weren't <clears throat> sure that we could keep our own supplied, you know, that were already established. And then with the transportation problems with the, the delivery companies and just even the logistics of, of shipping internationally and all that, we just felt like we need to clamp down on that until there's a little bit more of a, a level of stability with it and consistency mm -hmm. so that, um, you know, if we say we can provide something to somebody, we want to be able to provide it. So that's probably been our biggest, uh, biggest thing. So four legged consists of you yeah. um, and, and who else, you know, how, how, what's your, a, what's your labor count like? It's a small company. I mean, you know, as far as actual employees, there's just two, two of us, but we have tons of um, contract, you know, sorts of, uh, of workers and that. And for us financially, that was, that was the way to go. I mean, we can't afford to go buy a, a bottling facility and, <laughs> and have it certified organic and everything that has to go along mm -hmm. with that. So, Fortunately, we, you know, we live in a day and age when you, you can contract out different services. So I don't, gosh, I don't even know how many, probably, I don't know, probably 20 to 30, you know, if you, if you count all of the, the, the contract service that help us with our social media and, you know, just the production, the, the warehousing bit of it and, Mm -hmm. all of the logistics and everything that go into it but you know at its core we're we're still a pretty small little company and we did have um uh we we lost our uh, i had recent last summer hired a um, a customer support person to help you know out with emails and the phone and that sort of stuff and when covid hit she has uh four kids one of them was a toddler and three of them were elementary school and under. So <laughs> she was homeschooling three kids, three different curriculums. And I'm just like, you don't have time. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. It's hot. So, you know, we, we kind of shrunk a little bit from that, but um, you know, we're, we're sound. We're not going anywhere. We, we are committed to continuing to being the voice, you know, in, in an industry that needs a, a voice for transparency, for product integrity, for ingredient purity, all of these things. Um, if, if the four-leggers of the world, and there's not very many of us, aren't saying those things, then nobody is. Truly, nobody is. And we owe it to um, everybody that owns a pet that wants to, to give them the healthiest and, and best life that they can, we owe it to them to, to keep going. Um, I made so many mistakes, you know, with my first dogs by just going along with the conventional thought at the time. Okay, well, this is what you do. This is when you get your vaccines. This is what you feed them. And this is, 
you know, all of the stuff that it's okay. I mean, I trusted, trusted the, the guidance that I was getting from the veterinarians that I used. And, um, you know, at the point when I realized I don't really agree with this way of thinking anymore, it, it became a real turning point. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm either going to agree to just turn a blind eye to it and hope my pets don't get sick because I keep making poor choices for them. Or I've got to take the story of Henry Clay and the story of, you know, my cancer experience and turn it into something good that people can benefit from and, uh, you know, make a difference in, in the health of, of their pets' lives and in their own lives. Just, you know, mm -hmm. dogs don't bathe themselves <laughs> for the most part. So, you know, pet parents are being exposed continually to, to those kinds of products too. So that's just our little niche of the world. You know, it, it's definitely not, not the only part that you have to get right in order to raise a healthy dog, but it is a, it, it is one of the pieces that you have to get right in order to have a dog that is healthy for their entire life. Of your whole journey to date, what are you most proud of? Hmm. I guess being, you know, on, on a personal level, being able to step out of my comfort zone and, and take on the responsibility of being a voice, um, you know, to, to, to many, to being willing to, to speak about it, to being willing to share, you know, my experience and, and why, why I chose to do what I did. That, that doesn't really come very naturally to me. And so I, on a personal level, I'm proud of, of growing in that way so that I'm more, more comfortable doing that. Um, you know, professionally, it, it, there's nothing better than when I get an email from somebody that tells me what a difference, you know, they're seeing in their dog's skin and coat because they started using four later or, you know, how much healthier they feel like their dog is and that, they wish they'd known about it sooner. So, and you know, we get, we get that every day and that's, that's a, a great thing. And it definitely creates um, the motivation to, to want to continue on and to, to want to, to continue to help people. Um, you know, it, it's hard, it, you know, to think, I never woke up and just thought, I'm going to start a dog business, you know, and, and now for it to be, have a global presence, that's, that's astonishing. I have to, and to have done it without my primary support, you know, my, my family support, um, when the easy thing would have been to just crawl under a rock and, and not do anything. Um, so it's it's kind of astonishing to me sometimes when I you know get an email it's like that email is from Japan or that email is from Australia <laughs> you know and uh, I, I don't I don't know 
where where we'll end up, but I know that our commitment will never waver, you know, from what it originally was in terms of only using products and ingredients that are known to be free of any associations with any kind of health risk in, in animals. And we'll never waver from that. We don't, I don't care how much we could increase our profit margin or anything else. That means nothing to me. Having people be able to keep their precious beloved dogs at home with them for as long as they can. They already don't live long enough for sure. Um, but for the, you know, 12, 15, 17, however many years they live, if we can have any part in, in helping them to stay healthy for as long as they possibly can, then that's, that's the stuff dreams are made of to me. So currently who, who inspires you to wake up in the morning? Well... You know, I have, um, my business partner is um, um, a very integral part of Four Legger, and she's actually the, the chemist of, you know, I'm not, I couldn't be a, a pharmacologist for anything because <laughs> I can't pronounce, <laughs> I can't pronounce all the names of those ingredients that I'm so opposed to, but <laughs> what they are, I recognize them. <laughs> But, you know, she's, she's got um, a lot of background skill sets that help to make four-legger what it is. I mean, her, her training and education academics are in molecular genetics and biochemistry. And <laughs> that's exactly wow. what we need, you know, for, for uh, four-legger to continue to be um, a company of integrity and transparency, then we can't be guessing at stuff. You know, we have to know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing based on the research? Is it supported? Is it not supported? And that's, that's how we go about making, you know, all of our decisions. It's, it's not, it's never the result of a Google search, you know, <laughs> about whether something is safe. Dr. Google does not know very much really <laughs> when it comes down to it. Um, but, you know, we're very fact-based and science-based, and, and we'll, we'll always be that. So um, on the four-legger side, I guess Bailey and, and Piper are the ones that, that get me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> every morning. Every morning. <laughs> yep, every morning. And, um, you know, they're, they're wide different uh, uh, a pretty wide age range between them piper's 12 and a half years old so she's she's getting up there she's she's a gme survivor she had less than a five percent chance of of surviving the a, a neurological condition that she developed um a couple of years ago and um that's when we really got to know dr shelton um, is so well because of neurobalance and neuroboost and that dog I swear she's she's the smartest dog I've ever had there's no question about that but the first time she was exposed to neurobalance and did a diffusion she 
took herself to the arm of the couch that was as close to the diffuser as she could possibly get and just laid there. I'm like, hmm, okay. The next day, she went to that before even started diffusing anything. She asked for it. She, in her little puppy way, she asked for it. She took herself over to that same spot on the couch, cleared her throat, which is what she does when she wants somebody's attention. <clears throat> and I looked up and said, can I help you? And she turned around and looked at the diffuser and then turned around and looked back at me. I'm like, got it. <laughs> that was a very direct order. <laughs> I starting the diffusion now. <laughs> Oh, I I love that blend. I, I use it for my seizure cases as well. Yep. You know, um, it's it's a wonderful blend, which I didn't even know how important it was mm -hmm. until I really needed to use it, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm used to using her, her you know, the, the so-called maintenance line right. um, of oils, like Aroma Boost and all that. But when I had um, seizure cases, neurological cases, like you said, you know, the the immediate response of the animal it blows you away. Yeah, it, you know, um, it's it's astonishing, and it helped me. You know, I mean, I came through through chemo with terrible brain fog and you know horrible memory issues still uh, that linger. But it helps, it helps me. There's not a day goes by that there's not something from Dr. Shelton either diffusing or yeah. misting or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or petting on <laughs> um, around here. So it's, it's, um, it's amazing. It's an, uh, another amazing product and we're really super proud of our friendship with her and efforts to, you know, to, to, to do mm. the same thing in our own different ways for pets. Well, thank you, Melissa Boland, for your time. And, <laughs> you know, I honestly will go to the bathroom after this and I'm going to pick up my four-legged bottle and I'm going to give it a kiss, <laughs> literally. Because, you know, when, when listening to your journey, your life story, you know, you, sh you, you being willing to share and open up, and I really do appreciate it. I'm an introvert, so I I completely understand, you know, how you feel about sharing and 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 talking, you know. And um, to me, Four Legs like truly the best shampoo I've ever used, you know. Not just on my dog, but for myself as well. <laughs> I've actually used it for my cats. Yeah. You know, when I have got rescue cases and they come in with you know fleas and whatnot. Boom, that's it. It's, you know, I put Dr. Shelton's away with, with your four-legger and then that's it. You're getting a rub, you're getting a wash, yep. you know. And I tell everyone because they always freak out, um, especially, you know, like normal, regular rescuers who are used to doing things the conventional way. And I'll tell them like, I use four-legger. I, I mean, like I use these products with confidence because I know that they're not toxic. They will not harm the animal, even as a kitten, you know? Right. You know, or puppy, you know? they It's that safe. I use it on myself, I tell them, you know? Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, you know, uh, other people might have a huge beauty line of 
you know, commercial products in their bathroom. My, my shelf is actually very limited. <laughs> I have a bar of soap, you know, that's organic, you know, for myself. But, um, you know, for my dog, it's a four-legged bottle. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's it. It's all I have. <laughs> I have three different ones in my shower right now, and I just rotate through them. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I love your product even more now. I mean, like when I look at a, at my four legger, <laughs> you know, I will think of you, and you know, I will truly appreciate, you know, everything about that bottle, you know, because to me, that is your life story, that is your journey, that is everything about you that you've been through. You know, it's it's your essence, you know. It's all in there, and I, I have so much respect for you. You have no idea. I mean, you know, um, if I could, I'd give you a hug, you know, because <laughs> you're, you know, and and yeah, thank you for sharing and and taking the time to speak to me because, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm actually not very good at at doing this podcasting yeah I'm still a newbie so you know I get very nervous when I talk to people and especially people that I I have respect for and or I, I really like dig their stuff and I dig your stuff a lot you know you have no idea I've been wanting to interview for quite a while but I was like well uh I, I'm not sure if she'll say yes <laughs> so I was like we were I was tickled when you asked so yeah, I mean, you know, so it, it's, you know, like, thank you for doing the honor, you know, doing me the honor of coming on and, and sharing your story. Um, and I wish you well, I, you know, and, and lots of love and blessings, you know, to you and your four-legged family, you know, um, and everyone in your life that, that has meaning and, and inspires you and wakes you up, you know, because um, you're such a beautiful person, you know, and I think... You have a long way to go. You've there's so much more that you have to do, and I look forward to to it. You know, um, to to seeing you grow as a company as well. And I wish you well from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Melissa's story. Look out for Angela Ardolino's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.